Hey, thanks for joining us for another week of the Live Life Aggressive Podcast. Sincere Hogan, that's me, my partner Mike Marlin on the other side of the world, or the country, or the mic. It depends how you look at it, man. How you doing? Yeah, we have people listening from the other side of the world, so that's yes. somewhat accurate. I'm yeah. doing good, man. We have a, uh, you know, we're keeping this show exciting. It's, it's one, you know, one thing about this show is we always focus on keeping it exciting for us first, because if we enjoy it, chances are you're going to enjoy it too. And that's why we have such a broad range of guests. And today we have a really interesting lady who works for a fantastic organization that both of us are big fans of, and it's Save the Chimps. And we've talked about them before on the show. Definitely check out their website, savethechimps.org. They have a really interesting YouTube channel as well where you can get the backstory on what this organization does. But our guest today is really going to fill us in on all the great work they do, her involvement there. But before we get to her, just real quick, remember a couple ways you can support the show. Use coupon code LLA. You get 10% off any of my products at MikeMahler.com. You know the drill. And how about with you, man? Same deal at NewWarriorTraining.com. Use that same coupon code LLA on any products on there that you can purchase. You get 10% off. <laughs> and also make sure to support us by leaving us reviews on iTunes. You know We're getting thousands of downloads a day. We need more reviews on there so that more people can find out about the show. And then make sure to go to Stitcher, too, if you listen over there. And then share it on Facebook, Twitter. Don't, don't just email us a private message <laughs> saying, that was a great episode. I mean, that's nice, too. We appreciate it. But get on Twitter and say, man, this is a great episode. Check it out. Perfect. Get on Facebook. Yeah. Get on Google+. Plus. You know, Share your enthusiasm. Now it's time for us to share some enthusiasm. Yeah, exactly. And today we have Jennifer Firestein on from Save the Chimps. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing, doing fantastic. Awesome. Really appreciate it. And you're one of the, yeah, it's oh, it great having you on. You're one of the directors over there. I mean, just real quick, I mean, before we get into your background, actually, could you just give us a brief overview of what Save the Chimps is all about? Well, Save the Chimps is the world's largest chimpanzee sanctuary. Uh, we're home to 255 chimpanzees right now. We're located in Fort Pierce, Florida. And one of the really unique features about Save the Chimps is that the vast majority of our chimps live on these beautiful three to five acre islands that we built just for them. Um, they have rolling hills and places to run and climb, and they are able to live uh, a life as free as they possibly can while still being in captivity. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful place, and I feel really lucky to be here every day. Yeah, and yeah. and and a lot of these chimps are coming from really awful backgrounds, right? Oh, yeah. Most of our chimpanzees um, <clears throat> came from one particular laboratory called the Colston Foundation, mm -hmm. which had a really horrible history of, of um, neglect and abuse and mistreatment of chimpanzees and other other species. Um, but we also have chimps who came from the entertainment industry as well as the pet trade. Right. Yeah. I was so, gonna, now, so now it's no. Go. I'm sorry. Go no, I was going to say that's one of the things that I I read about online from one of your articles why chimps should not be a part of the entertainment industry, especially movies. And you have all these movies out with. I mean, we can go back as far as TV shows like when Mike and I were kids, when you had BJ and the Bear, and you had shows like that. And it's always, it's, you know, the chimp is always the central figure in that. But you know, as kids, when you're watching this, you think it's harmless. You think it's just, oh, a cute little chimp. But in in actuality, what's really going on in the background is a lot of terrible things happening with these quote unquote chimp actors. And you were saying that this is just not a good situation. Could you expound on that? I yeah, absolutely not. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right when you see chimps on TV or in movies, advertisements, even birthday cards. It looks mm. very, very harmless. The chimps look happy. Um, but there's just this seedy underbelly to all of it. Um, one thing that's really important to remember is the chimps who are um, actors in these types of situations, they're all children. They're all under the age of eight. They're very, very young. A chimpanzee will live to be 50 years old. That chimp's career ends at the time they're eight years old. And then all of a sudden they go from wearing clothes and maybe having, you know, a good time to being banished to a cage and their career is over and they get shuttled around to different um, subpar locations many times. So that alone is a terrible thing. Not to mention the fact that the chimps are taken from their mothers at birth. Um, they're forced to perform a lot of unnatural behaviors and in some cases, there's been instances of actual physical abuse documented. Yeah. So it's really horrible. It's not good for the chimp. It's really unnecessary. And it's frivolous. 
Yeah. We have great computer animation exactly. now. Exactly. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. So yeah, crazy like, to do that. yeah. We have computers now that can do all that. So what's the point of even doing that anymore? I mean, yeah. there's no way on Planet of the Apes they're going to go and round up a thousand <laughs> ships to be extras right. in that movie. So that's there's a hint right there. So Yeah. No, I mean, that that's what actually I mean, I, I've been a supporter of you guys for a while. And then I just forgot about the organization. And then I saw Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which was my favorite movie this year. And that just made me think about Save the Chimps. And I just had to go check you guys out again and start supporting you. But I, I agree completely. I, I don't support any circuses that involve animals. I don't like seeing animals in entertainment. And with today's technology, it's completely unnecessary. And I'm glad to see that. Hollywood in general is moving in that direction where now it's CGI primarily, which makes more sense anyway. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that really is in part driven by consumer demand. I mean, yeah. the fewer mm -hmm. people who want to see these movies or complain to advertisers about using chimps or orangutans or other wild animals in advertising, the less often it's going to happen. Right, but it right. still happens a little bit. So people have to be um, pay really close attention because CGI <laughs> is so good nowadays Sometimes it can be hard to tell the difference. <laughs> right, so exactly. People really have to look and see and investigate whether a situation involves a, a real live individual or just um, a computer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of this exploitation is a lot of animal testing where these horrific testing has been done on a lot of these chimps. What is what is the reasoning for this research? Well, chimpanzees are very, very closely related to human beings. They are, um, along with the bonobo, our closest um, living relatives. We share a common ancestor. So, you know, researchers, medical researchers, felt that it stood to reason that chimps would respond very similarly to human diseases. Yeah. Um, and so chimps um, were first brought into the U.S., um, partly to do some psychological research and then for space research and then eventually biomedical research. Um, but what we've learned over the years is that the very small differences um, between us and chimps often translate to very, very big um, differences in results and right. how they respond to disease, mm -hmm. how they respond to vaccines and medications. So they haven't turned out to be a very useful model at all. So right. just from a purely scientific perspective, it, it, I'm, in my opinion, it wasn't very valuable. Yeah. And then there's the ethics to consider. Um, should we really be treating um, living beings with the same emotions that we have, um, who can you know feel pain and suffer from isolation? Should we be doing that to them? And and that's a big ethical question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm definitely on the side of absolutely not. You know, I'm completely against animal testing, especially so much of the animal testing that is unnecessary, where it's a lot of the same tests done over, over and over, over again. It's like, okay, we got it, all right? Why, why just use the data from the last test? And then also, but I agree with you, how much of it is even, even taking the ethical question out of the out of the discussion, how much of it is even relevant? Are we even learning anything useful? <clears throat> yeah, and the federal government actually decided a few years ago that it's not really relevant or useful, at least currently, um, in modern um, medical research techniques. The Institute of Medicine, which is the, um, it's the body that advises Congress on scientific issues, mm -hmm. they took, made a really, really thorough review of the issue. They brought in experts from all over the world, um, listened to people who are passionately in favor of doing research on chimps, listened to people who are passionately against it. And ultimately, they decided that chimpanzees were largely not necessary um, for use in biomedical research, and they recommended that a plan be put together to um, to phase them out of, of federally funded research. And we're the last country in the world to do it. Mm. So um, it's really not necessary. The writing's on the wall. It's it's going to come to an end, and and I can't wait for that day. It's going to yeah. be an okay. incredible, incredible so, day. Yeah. You would yeah, think that with federal, you know, where they're coming in and talking to Congress and all that, that there would be some federal legislation that would actually outlaw this by this point, you know, at this time. Yeah, unfortunately, like, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but the NIH is definitely um, phasing out research on chimps. Um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is also considering changing the, the legal status of chimps in terms of their protection under the Endangered Species Act. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these policy changes will have the same effect as federal legislation. So it may be that federal legislation in the end won't be necessary, but it certainly would be um, the icing on the cake. Now, during yeah. all this legislation, is there any point that there that some of the, the let's just say the organizations that are bringing up the fact that this is no longer necessary, are they also bringing, say, the chimps into the fold to also testify and bring data to show that, you know, this is very unnecessary to such 
arenas such as Congress and all that? Well, we haven't um, testified before Congress, but we certainly um, collaborate with a lot of the animal protection groups mm -hmm. um, out there who are campaigning on this issue. Since we're so focused on providing sanctuary and providing really excellent day-to-day -day care for the chimps, we're not always you know, out networking with legislators or right. doing any sort of lobbying work, um, but we definitely collaborate with the animal protection groups to make sure that the best interests of the chimpanzees are met. Yeah. Let's get in, let's get into that. What's what is life like for these chimps over at the sanctuary? Well, it's our goal to make every day relaxing, fun, enjoyable for the chimps that every day is just the best day that they had. Yesterday is better than today. That's all. Oh, it looks fun. Cool. I mean, it looks, today like, it looks like a place I want to move to. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely I mean, it is this it's this chimpanzee city. It's a beautiful retirement home. So a typical day for the chimps um, is largely centered around meals. They love to eat. Um, and so the caregivers serve them meals three times a day. Um, and at that time, they come into their um, indoor housing. Every island has its own house so that they have indoor shelter. The caregivers check out the chimps, make sure nobody's injured, nobody's you know feeling sick, um, that everybody's happy and healthy. They get served their meals of fresh fruits and vegetables. And then um, when the chimps are inside, the caregivers actually go out onto the island and we scatter um, treats, goodies, enrichment um, all over the island so that the chimps can forage um, during the day. And then it's back outside and the chimps, it's up to them. They can hang out with each other and groom, they can play, they can run around. If they feel like being alone, if they're introverts and they want to just kind of hang out by themselves, they have the space and the choice to do that. It's really all about choice and letting them to de determine what the course of their day is going to be like. Sadly, a cool. lot of our own human retirement homes can learn a lot from you guys because I don't even <laughs> think our own elderly are being treated the, the exact same way and given the same opportunity so they can learn a lot from you. So we're always talking about we can learn so much from chimps, but we can also learn a lot from your organization as well, how to treat each other. So that sounds excellent. Like Mike said, yeah, makes me want to go really play. Is about, it's about dignity and choice, and um, that's as important for chimpanzees as, as it is for humans. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is, is this something that is actually open to the public? Can people visit? We're not open to the public. Um, sanctuaries, um, good sanctuaries as a rule, are not open to the public because we're not zoos. We're not yeah. here to exhibit yeah. our residents. Right. Um, that being said, um, we understand that um, we are supported by the generosity of, of our donors, and we want them to know that we're doing um, good things with, with the funds that they provide to the chimpanzees. So we have two member days per year, um, usually in September in the fall, and then another one in the winter in January or February. Mm -hmm. And our donors are um, at that time able to come out for guided tours of the sanctuary uh, see the facility and um, just get a really good sense of what we're what we're doing here. So we're not open to the public, but we do want um, our supporters to have the opportunity to see what um, the sanctuary is like. Yeah. yeah, I actually like the fact that you're not open to the public all the time because that it really creates a zoo environment. warm environment for these chimps who yeah. have been through such through such abusive backgrounds right. that the more tranquility they have, the better. Yeah, I mean, you got people standing yeah. poking and looking and staring at them all the time. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like exactly. it's so hard to relax. You know, like why are they staring? I mean, taking pictures and why are these kids screaming <laughs> at me and trying to throw right. food at me? Yeah, so it's definitely takes that. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's. You know, if, if people were here every day, it would be disruptive. Um, a few times a year um, can be very interesting for the chimps, but mm -hmm. somebody who's coming every day, it would be like having guests in your house every single day. <laughs> right. You know, for, for both of us right now, that just to hear that both for Mike and myself gives me anxiety. Just both of us like, nah. <laughs> So we get yeah, people. Yeah, people. Imagine if you're working out in your backyard and people just walk by and they stop and then hey, they're taking Mike. photos. And, you know, <laughs> you know, people knocking on your door every few minutes. Yeah, exactly. Jennifer, how did you get involved with this organization? Well, I um, have been working with non-human primates ever since um, I was in college. I went to Kalamazoo College in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I did an internship at a zoo and got very interested in primates. I went to grad school and studied primate behavior, and then I ended up getting a job actually at a primate research lab, a biomedical research lab um, that happened to have chimpanzees. And when I started working there, I was not opposed to biomedical research on, on any species 
at all. I felt like it was necessary. And I assumed that um, all of the individuals would have been treated very well and that, you know, it was just probably a really great thing. Um, working there, I found that um, the opposite was true. Um, and I saw a lot of suffering and I really, really questioned um, both the scientific validity of it as well as the ethics of it. And I worked there for five years, and then I had an opportunity to go volunteer for Save the Chimps right after they took over the Colston Foundation Research Laboratory. And at that point, I was offered um, a position to come work for the sanctuary. And it was hard, actually, to say goodbye to the chimps um, I had been caring for because I loved them, and I felt like at least I could be there for them. Right. But ultimately, I realized you know, I'm never going to get another opportunity like this. I need to go and help the chimps that save the chimps, and it changed my life. Yeah. yeah. Must be pretty gratifying for you to be on. You know, you've seen both sides of the coin, which is really interesting, which also makes everything you said already just more impactful because you've actually seen firsthand what goes on in that world. How gratifying is it now on this side? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's it's really amazing. And sometimes it can be, you know, sad because when I look at the chimps' files, I yeah. understand completely what they went through. It's not yeah. just words on a page. I can picture what happened. Yeah, and that yeah. can be really um, depressing. But then you go out and you look at how happy they are and how just completely different um, their lives are now. And it's so rewarding. And the fact that they're forgiving and friendly and they seem to like me, um, you know, they seem happy to see me. Like, that's such an honor. Yeah. Because right. they don't owe us anything. And, right. um, and they're just... So incredibly wonderful. Yeah, that sounds sounds fun. I mean, I'm I'm always, I'm always curious how how difficult must it be for some of these chimps that have been so traumatized to start letting loose and trusting people again, and then have the even have the ability to enjoy their life, to enjoy fresh air and freedom and so forth. Well, I think we have a lot to learn from chimps in that respect because they are incredibly forgiving. Mm. Uh, they, for the most part, judge you on how you treat them, um, not on how other people have treated them in the past. Right. So um, it didn't take them long, really, um, maybe a couple of months to start trusting um, their new caregivers and, and coming out of their shells. And in terms of their resiliency, there's a lot of variety, just like with humans. Some chimps... I mean, I'm amazed that they're not just completely insane when I yeah. see what they went through and read what they went through, but they just seem to look forward and never look back. And yeah. I certainly hope they don't think about their past, but they embrace their new life and um, they love the island. But we do have chimps who um, who clearly are suffering long-term effects. They might injure themselves. They might have extreme anxiety. Um, they might not be able to get along with other chimps because of their years of isolation. Um, and we do everything we can to to help them heal and give them what they need. If, if they can't live in a big group, we're not going to force that. Um, you know, they have an opportunity to live in a small, quieter group. Yeah. And do they do they tend to really bond with each other? I noticed I noticed I remember I got an email recently where one of the chimps passed away. And then that was that was really depressing for quite a few of the other chimps that were good friends with that. So do they do they tend to have a lot of tight bonds among each other? Yeah, most chimps will form very close friendships with each other. Um, they are definitely human-oriented. Um, most of the chimps we have at the sanctuary were born in captivity and raised by humans. Yeah. So they very often identify with or even identify as human beings. But if you give them the opportunity to live with chimps, most of them um, welcome that opportunity. They form beautiful friendships Um it's some of my favorite things are when I see chimps hugging or kissing or grooming yeah, each right, other right. and, and they just, they have each other. That's what they needed all along. Yeah. And then what do you, what do you think is the solution though, to this whole zoo situation, right? Where people want to see animals and they go, well, Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not going to go to Africa. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I want my kids to see chimps at the zoo. So they understand this and that, you know, that's always the other side of the coin. Well, what do you think is the ultimate solution to all that? Well, I think it really is a challenging issue. Um, you know, there are some zoos that are better better than others. And um, I think some zoos can provide um, a quality of life similar to what chimpanzees find in sanctuary. Um, I don't know that there's an easy answer to that question. Yeah. I do feel, though, that, um, that it's not always necessary to see 
um, these individuals in captivity, no matter what the species. I mean, my favorite species, um, other than chimps, is sperm whales, and I find them really fascinating, but I've never seen one in the wild. All I had to do was read books about them and um, see documentaries about them. So I think that they're, especially in this day and age, such amazing opportunities to really experience um, other species without necessarily having to see them in person. Yeah, right. Now, I think the more people know about the other side of the thing, it's like, here's the real story. Okay, you want to go see the chimp at the zoo? That's fine. But here's the backstory. This chimp was <clears throat> torn away from his mother and was in captivity, has been through all this. Now, do you still want to go to the zoo <laughs> or better, and yeah. see this chimp? <laughs> exactly. Or on yeah. the flip side of that, <clears throat> like even situations where you have a lot of people who are just like very, very wealthy and they were really always into getting, wanting exotic animals. Now, we talked right. to a guest before, you know, you, in Texas, you've had situations where, these rich people have had like tigers and all this and the tigers broken loose and going out in the neighborhood and everyone's on alert and everything like that. But then you take a situation, let's take a Michael Jackson, for, for instance, you know, for everyone knows about, you know, by bubbles, his chimp. You know, what do you how do you feel about those situations where you have people, you know, who want to take chimps in and who may think that it's just harmless? Like, OK, I can give him a better home than have him in Africa where he's been threatened all the time. Or maybe they feel like they're taking a situation where like you are, where they feel like they're rescuing them from a very bad situation, like a laboratory or something like that. Is that ever a good thing for an individual to take a chimp in and try to domesticate it, per se? In terms of chimps, um, absolutely not. Um, it's not legal, fortunately, to bring in wild-born chimps from mm -hmm. Africa anymore. So at least that um, particular threat is gone, at least for the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have that problem. Um, but folks who purchase them as pets, um, you know, or even in a well-meaning way say, oh, I'm going to take this person's chimp in, but I'm going to t keep them as a pet um, or use them in entertainment, that sorts of sort of situation has happened, um, that's still really pushing the bounds, um, I think, of ethics and how the chimps should be treated. They should be, you know, living with each other. They should be um, given as much space and freedom as, as possible. And so, and they should be professionally managed organizations. Um, sanctuaries um, that are responsibly run are accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. Um, they might be members of the North American Primate Sanctuary Alliance. And so just like accredited zoos, um, sanctuaries are and should be professionally um, run organizations, not individuals um, who really are trying to keep them as pets. Right. So you just can't go Google and all the instructions on how to take care of a chimp or something like <laughs> right. that, people. And think that no, okay. there's a lot more involved. <laughs> and they're very dangerous. I yeah. Mean, yeah, absolutely. As much as I, I love these chimpanzees, but we never have um, close physical contact with them. We don't go in with them. Um, they're really, really powerful. And even if they're trying to be friendly, there's the potential there that they can cause um, really serious injury. Um, so they're meant to be with each other. They're not meant to be with humans. And it should be our goal to, um, to eliminate all those forms of exploitation like the pet trade um, in the entertainment industry. Yeah. yeah. You always hear these stories, you know, I think a few years ago, the lady who had a chimp for a pet and then she, you know, he pretty much attacked her and, you know, she had all these injuries to her face and everyone starts trying to blame the chimp. I'm like, okay, seriously, <laughs> it wasn't like he bit her face off in the wild in Africa. This happened in her home. Okay. So there's the red flag right there. So why, why are we <laughs> right. blaming the chimp? <laughs> yeah, that was a really, really <laughs> tragic situation. It yeah. was really horrible. Um, but the fact that it got such national attention, I think, really um, brought a lot of awareness to the right. issue. Yes. And since that time, the, the pet trade in chimps has just plummeted mm -hmm. to the point where, much like biomedical research and in the entertainment industry, I can see an end to it on the horizon. It's, it's right. not a lucrative enterprise anymore. Yeah, I mean, some people just don't get it. I mean, why would why would you think that it's reasonable to have a wild animal in your home? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, again, it, it becomes that that status type thing. Like, huh? I have, yeah, right. You know, you know I have a black panther. I'm like, you know, dude, I'm good with my Basenji dog. Over there. I, I, I want <laughs> yeah, dogs I want, are just look, fine. I want an animal from Africa. Well, I have a West, I have a West Indian dog. I'm a West African dog right here. So I have it. I have it all right there, man. And guess what? He doesn't bark. He's calm. I'm good with that. Okay. So and he has a great backstory. You know. 
know, he's a rescue. And, you know, again, he's a dog that doesn't bark. And that makes a very interesting story when people are like, wait a minute, he doesn't bark? Oh, that's good enough. Okay. That serves my ego. If I want to have a story to tell, I don't want to have a chimp you know, or an elephant I'm, in the back. I'm not going to go try to domesticate a coyote exactly. I, well, every once in a while when I walk the dogs. You know? So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really understand the no. psyche of someone who decides, hey, that would be cool to have a chimpanzee. Yeah, this Tarzan syndrome, okay, that's, that's not going <laughs> to work, people. You know, so don't go out and try to get a wild animal. And don't walk around with a loincloth on all day either. So that's all that right. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's well, the entertainment industry actually contributes a lot to that because yeah. people see, you know, yeah. people on TV or in advertising right. cuddling these really adorable chimps. Mm-hmm. I mean, and baby chimps are adorable. Yes. And they don't think about the they, fact that that chimp has a mom somewhere um, who, you know, had her baby kidnapped from her. They don't think about the chimp is going to grow up to be 150 pounds with canines that are exactly. several inches long. And um, so all they see is the baby and they see celebrities and other people of influence um, interacting with them. And they think, Oh, I want to do that. Exactly. And if they can afford to, um, then sometimes they try to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people just don't understand chimp behavior either where there was some controversy with gordon ramsay right the reality tv guy the chef where he was taking a bunch of photos with the chimp and the chimp's teeth roll out and everyone's like oh how cute this chimp is smiling where in reality that was the sign of stress yes that the chimp was stressed out can you explain that when the when the chimp shows a lot of teeth that's not a that's not a it's not cheesy behavior exactly he's not having fun that's right. Um, like when you see birthday cards are a big a big one. You see a chimp on a birthday card and they've got a huge, what appears to us, smile on their face. Right. Um, while that's a smile for humans to show your top and your bottom teeth, in chimpanzees, that's a sign of fear. Um, mm-hmm. It's analogous to if um, you're watching a scary movie or someone startles you or you feel pain and you wince. Yeah. And you're, yeah. suck, right. you know, draw your cheeks back. That's um, that's similar to um, a fear face in chimps. So when they're happy and relaxed, they only show their bottom teeth. Um, they don't show their top teeth. So anytime you see a picture of a chimp showing all all of their teeth in a big grin, they're actually scared or nervous in mm. some way. Or yeah. they've been trained to smile on cue mm. yeah. Um, yeah. in that way and Probably the way they were trained to do that was to scare them first. Exactly. Right. I mean, you would think I think that's where the disconnect comes in. We, we think that, OK, chimps are so much like us that we forget that they're also so much like other animals. If I see a dog or a lion or anything showing all their teeth, I'm not going to want to go up and want to pet him. I'm going to think like, you know what? I'm going to leave that lion alone today. You know, so, you know, so I think that's where the disconnect comes in where we think like, oh, well, they're just like us. If I show all my teeth, I'm being nice. You know, so I think that's yeah. where we kind of, we make a big mistake and realize like, we got to realize like they're still animals at the end of the day. Some of that 98%, okay, you need to worry about that 2%. Okay, that 2% is great in which they don't relate to human beings. So... Yeah. That, that, that's such a funny point, man. Exactly. If you see it, when a dog shows you all of his or her teeth, that's, oh. that's not a it's not a positive thing. Exactly. Yeah. He's so cute. Like, no, he's he's not he's not happy. <laughs> I think I think it's interesting, Jennifer, that you don't directly interact with the yeah. chimpanzees, meaning that in the sanctuary you're not running around on a field with them, for example. I mean, it makes sense. For some reason, I just envisioned that though, where some of the care workers are you <laughs> know, like out there having a good time. The, yeah, it's like hey. <laughs> Let's play chase or something. Yeah, and actually, when we interview people, we ask them, like, what do you picture yourself doing? And then we try to make the job seem as miserable as possible. Like, we tell them we never, ever touch the chimps. If you're picturing yourself frolicking on the hills with them, that's not the job. It's dirty. It's messy. It's sweaty. We're cleaning up after them. So that's not the kind of relationship that we have with them. But we do um, form really good friendships and really good relationships with them. It's just not based on physical contact. There's always that physical barrier between us and the chimps. That's for our safety and also for theirs. Because if if a chimp killed a human, then that chimp is probably going to be killed as well. Also, it would be a horrible PR for you if you're running the sanctuary and then the news report comes out, oh, a sanctuary worker was killed today. By a chimpanzee. Exactly. It's gonna, people are going to think, well, I don't want to support this organization. So, I mean, it makes sense that you're putting those safety parameters in place to protect you and the chimps. So that's, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. If only yeah. That's, I mean, that's one of my worst nightmares. And yeah. um, we have a lot of safety protocols and a lot of redundancies in order to prevent that sort of thing from happening. And if 
you know, heaven forbid there is a chimpanzee escape, we have um, protocols in place um, in order to recover the chimp without harm to humans and to the chimpanzee um, himself or herself. Yes. Um, but safety is so paramount sure. um, yeah. at the sanctuary because we are dealing with, with really powerful individuals with their yeah. own wills. No, Has the chimp like ever tried to get out? Has the chimp ever tried to get out of it? Sorry, sincere. Has the chimp ever tried to get out of there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, most most escapes in any type of situation yeah. are human error. Okay. Um, mm. You know, this is their home, and it's true for any um, any species that's in a captive situation, be it a zoo or a sanctuary. They sure. don't tend to want to leave what's familiar to them. Right. If the opportunity is presented to them because somebody screwed up, then they might say, "Hey." What's beyond this door? I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> right. But they're not usually plotting ways to. Escape. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not like playing the apes. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're all marching in line when you guys leave. Exactly. <laughs> they're all having secret meetings, and you know, yeah. in the middle of the night, like, okay, this is how we're getting out of here, man. <laughs> but that being said, they do pay very close to attention attention to everything that we're doing, and um. so if there's something slightly out of the ordinary, they're going to notice it. Which is why it's just so important for us to um, pay very close attention to what we're doing at all times. Yeah, right. <laughs> has there has there been a particular chimp that stands out to you, one that you really formed a bond with? Oh, uh, there's so many. It's really hard to choose sometimes. Um, yeah. I get asked this question a lot. But one chimp who um, I did have pretty special experience with was a chimpanzee. Her name is Scarlet. And um, this is actually a time where we did end up having to break all of the rules and have some contact with Scarlett in order to care for her because she um, suffered a spinal injury um, and was paralyzed. Um, fortunately, temporarily, um, she was paralyzed. And so we had to, um, you know, go in with her and provide her with intensive care. And she could not move anything except one limb. And so we had to feed her and do everything for her, do physical therapy. And um, I remember we watched the 2008 Olympics together. She liked swimming <laughs> in particular. And, um, and so that was really kind of a, it was a really unique experience. And then when she started regaining her mobility, um, I was with her one day and I saw her like looking up at some straps that we had hung to, um, to help her maneuver a little bit um, as she was gaining her mobility back. And I just felt like she really wants to sit up. And so I got behind her and I lifted her up. And when she was in a sitting position, she leaned back into me. Um, and so I just sat there holding her. She sat up and she was relaxed and she looked around and she was so happy. And the fact that she had that kind of trust in me and I've just found really, really incredible um, because she's actually not a chimp who likes to be helped. She hates mm. to be helped. She likes mm. to do things on her own. Right. So for her to allow us to help her like that was really, really incredible. And now she is fully mobile again. She lives in a small group of gentle chimps and we don't have any physical contact with her anymore. Um, and, but it was really a powerful, powerful experience and a really a tribute too to her own courage because how many people come back from full paralysis to yeah, walk again. Right. It was really spectacular. Yeah, exactly. Does she does she recognize you and run run in your direction if she sees you now when you see Oh yeah, she yeah, yeah she knows me and and when I see her she's got a, a unique vocalization when she greets you she goes oh <laughs> <laughs> she's a bit of a flirt and so, uh, so yeah she she recognizes me and um and yeah she's a really special person <laughs> what? Now, um, Jen, there's also another story that I read about one of the chimps, Ryan, when he had got over depression. And I mean, just even when he was younger, he like even went to self-mutilization. So it's so fascinating how parallel their lives can be to human beings lives. And can you just kind of talk about like how you kind of how you got over the depression? Uh, yes. Well, we have two Ryans. So I think mm -hmm. you're probably talking about um Ryan, who once lived at the CDC. Yes, yes, and, yes. That's the one. Yeah, so he, um, when we met him, um, he had lived in alone almost his entire life in a very small cage um, in some of the lower floors at the CDC, very minimal interaction with other chimps, and he didn't know how to climb. Hmm. Um, and the first time he climbed, um, he only had to climb like maybe 10 feet. It was, it was actually this very small area that he moved into when he first arrived here. And he climbed up and he didn't know how to get down. 
and he just let go. And we were, we all were horrified. Oh, wow. We gasped. He fell to the ground. Um, he sprained his ankle a little bit. Um, and I was like, I can't believe there's a chimpanzee who doesn't know how to climb. So heartbreaking. And when he first met other chimps, he was really afraid of them. Um, when he was distressed, he would pull repeatedly at his face and rub it raw. And, um, and I just thought, wow, I don't know if this chimp is ever going to be able to you know, live in a big group. Is he going to make it? Right. Well, and we just kept trying with him. Um, he finally made friends with um, a young chimpanzee who he was comfortable with. And we just kept introducing him to more and more people. Now he lives in a group with 23 other chimps. He's confident. He's happy. He doesn't injure himself anymore. He knows how to climb. He knows how to run. He is, he's the chimpanzee he was always meant to be. And it's just amazing to see that change. That's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. That's, a, that's, that's such a <laughs> uplifting story. And what, what I find interesting is that, you know, so many of these chimps have, some of them have never, a lot of them have never experienced fresh air or grass or fields or interactions with other chimps for a good chunk of their life, sometimes their whole adult life. And then they get into this environment <laughs> and that uh, over time they're able to adapt to it. But I have to, I have to imagine that there, there must be so many examples though of chimps like Ryan, where it just takes time. Yeah, um, sadly, there's there's too many. Um, but we have chimps who, um, when they first arrive, you know, they they really have never ever seen grass. A lot of these yeah. chimps were born in New Mexico, and mm. it's not exactly a grassy mm. state. <laughs> right? No, and um, so they didn't even see grass um, on the grounds. Never mind touch it. So they'll like they'll dip their toes in the grass like they're dipping their foot in a pool mm -hmm. and they want to stick to the concrete patio that's next to their building and they want to hold on to caging the whole time mm -hmm. um, because that's what's familiar to them. Um, but eventually, you know, they'll wander out a little further, a little further and get more and more comfortable. Um, and that it's just really cool to see. But sometimes some chimps will just surprise you. The one chimp you think is going to be terrified never going to go out. It's going to take years for this chimpanzee to go outside. Sometimes they're the first one out and I just <laughs> marvel at their courage. I yeah, mean, right. imagine if you were, you know, had been your parents raised you in a closet and never let you out. And then all of a sudden you're free right. to go. Right. You'd probably be terrified. Like what's yeah, this sky? I've never seen such <laughs> yeah, a Yeah, Why is it so bright yeah. out here? You know, I can't see. Yeah. yeah it'd be, it'd be like so, someone who's been blind their entire life. And then all of a sudden oh they have gosh. their vision. They see that you first know, image. You're like, what the, yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So to see mm. those guys, you know, who I, the chimps who <laughs> I figured never ever would, would rush out there to see them go. That's just, it's amazing. And then you have chimps like Pumpkin, who, again, had, you know, this really sad existence, spent most of his years in isolation, never was even outside for most of his life. Um, and he did not want to leave his building. Um, he would maybe sit outside on the patio for short periods of time. And nine years after he arrived at the sanctuary in Florida, nine years, one day he up and decided to go out on the island. We don't know why. We have no idea what changes in his mind, but he just decided today's the day. And he went out and it was just so incredible. One of the caregivers called and said, pumpkin is walking in from the island. And we were just all beside ourselves with joy. And we wow. still get excited when we see him out there. So you never know when they're going to decide today's the day I'm going to do it. Right. Now, now you yes. just mentioned that the majority of them came from New Mexico. Why are they coming from New Mexico? What's going on in New Mexico that there's, a lot of chimps coming from there because that's just like the one place you wouldn't think about when you think about chimps. Just like you said, it's so dry there and, and it just doesn't make any sense. Like, why, why is that happening? Well, New Mexico actually has a really, really long history um, of chimpanzees in, in the state. Hmm. Um, started in the 50s um, with the space race and uh, NASA and yeah, the Air okay. Force thought. Oh, you know, chimps might make a good um, astronaut, a good substitute for humans right. when we're testing these rockets and testing G forces. Um, and so, and they, you know, honestly, they really didn't know any better. They knew very little about chimp behavior and chimp society. Mm -hmm. They just thought it was a good idea at the time. So um, they were brought out to Holloman Air Force Base, where a lot of this research was was going on, and that's in Alamogordo, New Mexico, mm -hmm. and. Um, at some point, um, Frederick Colston, who was a toxicologist, um, 
He decided he wanted to use chimpanzees in his research. There were chimps in New Mexico. He decided to establish a laboratory in New Mexico um, and get his own chimps as well. And so at one point, there were probably about 650 chimps just in the Alamogordo, New Mexico area alone. That was about half of the U.S. research population of chimps um, just in that one city. So there's a long history of chimps there. There's still about 160 chimps um, left on Holloman Air Force Base. They're owned by the federal government, and we're we're waiting and hoping that the federal government will um, release them to retirement. But so far, there's no word on on what will happen with them. Yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. bureaucracies don't tend to move no. efficiently. But hopefully, hopefully they'll get released very soon do you guys have the capacity to take hundreds of more or would you just expand or develop another site well we're unfortunately a little bit limited in our capacity right now um our founder dr carol noon um when she rescued the chimps um from the colston foundation and expanded save the chimps she envisioned that maybe up to 300 chimpanzees um, would live on these grounds we have 255 residents today but adding chimpanzees to establish social groups can be a tricky business sometimes. Sure, right. So we probably <clears throat> at most could hold, you know, somewhere in the range of 285. So we could definitely take in um, some more chimps, um, you know, in the short term. But in order to take in really large numbers of chimpanzees, we would need to add some islands to our existing property um, and perhaps grow even beyond that. And all that takes is it. It takes a lot of funding and a lot of support. Right. Right. How do you how do you guys what, what's the primary avenue for fundraising that you use? Uh, we actually um, use have a multifaceted approach because we want to try to reach as wide an audience as possible. So, of course, we use our website. We use Facebook, but we also use more traditional methods um, like um, the mail. So mm-hmm. we try to reach a wide variety um, of people across the country and, and podcasts like this. This is this is mm-hmm. great. Anytime we can get into the media um, and reach new audiences is a great opportunity. Yeah, we'll definitely get you out there as much as possible and get other podcasts to shed some light on you guys as well, hopefully. Now, I'm wondering, when you say island, now, is this is this literally an island off the coast over there where you have to take a – you have to take a boat to work each day <laughs> or a ferry it, or something like that. or yeah exactly a ferry or something like that or is this something man made that's just off the coast it's something that um that we constructed so uh, dr carol noon our founder she purchased 150 acres um of an old abandoned orange grove near fort pierce florida we're actually about 15 miles inland, and um, which is nice because we have a little bit of buffer um, in the event of hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And what she did was she um, developed a plan to build um, 12 islands. They're really more properly called peninsulas because they right. they have a land bridge. Um, it's just a strip of land leading out to the more circular island, and then the land bridge leads to. Um, an indoor house, a building um, that's built to withstand hurricanes. And so we have 12 of those um, on the property. I believe our website has like an aerial photo view so people can get an idea of of what it looks like um, because it is difficult to to describe in words, um, capture in words what it's really like. Yeah. Now, Now, as far as hurricanes, what like, how do you handle the situations? Because you're in Florida and it's guaranteed you're probably going to get at least one hurricane every year. I'm here in Texas. And so I'm always on the hurricane watch every year. So we're all right here in the Gulf. So what is your protocol for the chimps when there is a hurricane? Uh, If we have a hurricane that's predicted to make landfall um, in the Treasure Coast, which is the region that we're in, Mm -hmm. the chimpanzees are locked inside 24 hours um, before predicted landfall. So everyone has to come in. Um, The buildings are constructed to be hurricane resistant. There's CBS construction. Even the the ceiling is concrete block. So if the metal roof blew off, Mm -hmm. there's still concrete block um, containing the chimps. And we we prepare by stocking supplies, stocking water. We have generators. And then the staff um, will actually come and stay at the sanctuary. Um, And many times they might even sleep in the buildings with the chimps, um, we have areas that are accessible only to um, the staff, not accessible to the chimps, so that um, 
that there's going to be plenty of people on site to provide food and the care that they need on a daily basis. Okay. Um, and frankly, Probably one of the safest places in Florida. So yeah, this is where like I'm it. heading. <laughs> yeah, sound, I'm listening to you. I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds like <laughs> we need. I need that here in Texas. You know, so. Yeah, evacuation is just not an option. No, There's it's not. Nowhere it is not. to send 255 chimps. And no way to get it doesn't them work there, for so. humans. It doesn't even work for yeah. humans a lot of times. So I mean, we saw that nightmare. Yeah, exactly. You know how it happened here in Texas. We didn't know what to do with all that with Katrina and Rita and all that. So. Sometimes, you know, like they say in the South, you just got to hunker down so and just yeah, deal with yeah, it. Yeah, you're not, not going to see 200 chimps on a bus. On I-10, you know, heading west. That would be a sight. <laughs> well, we did actually have a lot of chimps travel on I-10, though, when we were moving the chimps from New Mexico oh, to wow. Florida. Oh, yeah. yeah, right, right. Just in our great chimpanzee migration. Yeah, you're on a road yeah, but trip. But that was 10 at a time. That was manageable. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's quite a trek right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously they weren't on a they weren't on United Airlines, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. One thing I want to emphasize to our listeners too about you guys is that you don't engage in any breeding. You know, you're not trying to create a larger population there. I think I think there was an incident of one chimp being born, right? A while back. Well but, but it's not practice. Unfortunately, we have had seven babies born to us um really? okay. with us trying to do everything we could to prevent them from being born. Um, all of the males here have vasectomies, um, but we found in our early years that a lot of the vasectomies were growing back. Oh. And so we did have um, seven babies born um, unintentionally. Um, we love them dearly, of course, but they are a 50-year commitment and or more. Who knows how they may live right. beyond 50 years. And um, that's also a space that that could have been held by a chimpanzee in need. Yeah. So that's why Save the Chimps and any good sanctuary um, does everything they possibly can to prevent breeding. Um, that's one thing that if anyone's you know looking at an organization that calls itself a sanctuary and people are wondering, is this really a sanctuary? Is this um, an organization deserving of my funds? The first question they should ask is, do they try to breed? Do they try to have, you know, allow their residents to have babies for any species? If they do, they're not really a sanctuary that should really raise a red flag. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a quote unquote lion sanctuary just up the road from where I'm, I am in Las Vegas. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. They're taking lions that were used in entertainment at some of the casinos and they're giving them a sanctuary. But then I found out they have a breeding program and that was really disheartening. And I lost yeah. a whole any enthusiasm I had to support that just went out the window because I'm just, I'm not okay with that at all. Yeah. And unfortunately um, people know that, you know, this word sanctuary is, is very appealing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That people are drawn to the notion of protecting other species. And so there's no regulation saying who can and can't use it. So um, true, you know, genuine accredited sanctuaries are really trying to claim that term and 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 get people to understand what it really means to be a sanctuary and rule number one is is don't breed and rule number two is don't be open to the public a lot right. yeah right well that that's what's going on here too is they are open to the public and you pay a fee and you go in and you walk around and you see lions in cages so it's completely different yeah, it's from what you guys do that's i think i think you guys zoo, do you know exactly yeah think, that's a that's a zoo that's more properly called a zoo exactly i think the two things that you guys do that really show how legitimate you are is one you're not open <laughs> to the public where a bunch of people are coming by with smartphones every day and making a lot of noise and bothering these chimpanzees and then two you're not breeding it's, it sounds like it's happening by default and some of these chimps are probably just going hey we're gonna make up for lost time <laughs> so yeah. they're, they're gonna find you know they're gonna find a way but uh, but you guys are doing everything you can to stop yep. that and we haven't had a baby in seven years so oh, that's good. Yeah. knock wood we think we've got we think we've got it figured out we have the females on birth control pills as a backup <laughs> and um and our veterinarian, um, who did not perform the original vasectomies, um, but developed a technique that does not um, allow for regrowth, she is very um, diligently working on re-vasectomizing and then even rechecking her own work a year later. Mm. Um, so that's been a big project that, that we've been working on um, ever since the babies started, started showing up. Do uh, do these baby chimps or what's life for them? Are they 
are they taken care of by you guys for a while and then they're introduced to the other chimps or are their parents are there well ideally they would they remain with mom and it all depends on on mom herself um there we've had a situation where um one of the mothers unfortunately wasn't producing any milk so we were forced to um to take the baby and raise the baby but we made sure that angie saw her mother hannah all the time and she's back um in the group with her mom now um and angie's now um 11 years old incredibly she's practically an adult herself um we had another situation where um mom was was pretty young herself had um no experience um with you know older chimps um watching them raise their children so she just didn't know what to do and so we did have to um Try, we did have to raise Melody, her daughter, and when um, we would take Melody up to visit um, her mother and her mother's family, they weren't as welcoming of Melody as we had hoped they might be. Mm. And so Melody actually was adopted by um, by another chimpanzee in a completely different group, and she's doing fantastic. So we try in this instances where we did have to raise um, the babies, um, we we would have them around chimps all the time and we integrated them back into chimp society by the time they were a year old um, so that they would grow up as chimps, not as humans. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what, what do you think people would be most surprised about by chimp behavior? I mean, you've, you're someone who's observed chimp behavior for so long. I don't, wow. I don't know. Cause it's so second nature to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, one thing that people always ask us about is um, when the chimpanzees are blowing raspberries. Um, Very often when we do have guests here on tours, they see the chimps um, grooming each other or they're excited to see new people. And so they they blow raspberries and they always ask, what is that? Um, And almost every captive chimpanzee I know blows raspberries. Um, They do it to get attention. They also do it when they're grooming. It's just kind of a... Just a little bit of a soothing sound when they're grooming. Um, but very, very few wild chimpanzees are documented to um, make that vocalization. And no one knows why, um, why that's the case. There have been some cases of wild chimps um, using the, the raspberry, um, but it seems to be something that's just really prevalent in captivity. And it's not just chimps that save the chimps. Chimps Everywhere I've been, um, where chimps are in captivity, they use that sound. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's one thing I find interesting about a lot of the legitimate animal sanctuaries is I have a friend who runs one in Colorado as well. And he found that he would bring in teenagers that have been through some bad abuse. And he's a trainer as well, a physical trainer. So he would work with them on that side. But he would also have these kids work with these abused animals as part of their rehabilitation, both. And then what they found is that the humans were able, I mean, these young teenagers rather, were able to start getting over a lot of the abuse they had been through by seeing animals get over abuse as well. So I'm curious if if there's ever been an incident of that where you work, where maybe an employee with a tough background started working there and was able to heal him or herself Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we've definitely had employees who, um, you know, coming to save the chimps and working has really been a second chance for them. And we're all about second chances, whether it's for the chimps or for um, for human beings. And um, those employees are often the most compassionate and caring um, because they really can identify with um, the trauma that the chimps have been through. And um and yeah, and they're they're able to turn their own lives around. Yes, the situation yeah. makes me really think. <clears throat> excuse me, make me think about a lot of the soldiers that are coming back with PTSD, and you, know, you have a lot of these chimps who also suffer the same thing, and you know they're they're getting through that with your organization. So I, in in my mind, just right off the bat, I think that would be a good fit, like for a lot of the soldiers who are having a hard time, let's just say getting employment or something like that, or even just dealing and acclimating back into society when they have these situations like PTSD to actually you know, get involved some way, somehow with an organization like yours. So they can also see, I see like this may be able to help them a lot more because a lot of times humans still don't get it. You know, PTSD is still that thing that people are like, well, I don't know if it's really happening or, you know, maybe it's just this or is that, 
and maybe like I said, a lot of times these soldiers probably would feel a lot better and maybe maybe acclimate back to society by being in a situation where they're in an environment where they're like around the chimps who are also going through PTSD and seeing how they're healing from that. What do you think about that? Well, one of our employees um, is a veteran and um, and served in the um, the most recent Iraq war. And, you know, I asked him, you know, what drew him to this to this job. And he said, you know, he said he said it wasn't like any other job. He said, I felt like I had an opportunity here to really make a difference. Mm. And um, and he clearly loves the chimps and um, is no stranger to hard work. So I definitely think that um, there can often be um, a great connection and a great opportunity for for veterans, um, whether they're struggling with PTSD or not. Mm. Um just to to get into work that's that's really meaningful, and we do see PTSD in chimps. Um, mm-hmm. It's been documented um, in psychological literature that that they experience um, PTSD, and so I think certainly um, there's opportunity there for a connection um, between humans um, who suffer from it and, and chimpanzees who do. Yeah, I think I think anytime you've been through suffering, when you can find some positive outlet mm-hmm. where you're where you're helping others, where whether it's other people, kids, other beings, animals, I think that's always going to be a positive thing. It's always going to help you to a large extent. I remember talking to a friend who had had actually a mutual friend of ours whose son had been through some serious abuse, just horrific stuff, mm-hmm. and he was just going down a bad road, violent behavior. And he got into helping dogs in a shelter, and that really helped him turn around all that bad behavior because that became the new focus now. Instead of going out there and doing a lot of drugs and getting in the fights and stuff like that, all of a sudden his enthusiasm was now, I'm going to go help these animals. And I think as he helped these animals, it really helped him Mm -hmm. get over this whole abuse. Absolutely. I mean, to me, I mean, I have four dogs at home and – you know, if you're not in a good mood or you're feeling down, a lot of times, you know, they're the company you want to keep right. um, rather than having to to talk to somebody or, or um, have to engage with a human being. And, and I think that um, other species kind of have just that that comfort and that sense and um, that you just want company and nothing more. Right. And they're always able to bring you joy. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely concur with that. I have, a, I have a dog who follows me. I have a few dogs, but I have one dog who follows me around everywhere. And I always laugh. I go, if this were a person, it would drive me nuts. <laughs> you know, but somehow as a dog, he could, he could follow me around everywhere, sit next to me on the couch, sit next to me here. He's, he's right next. To, he's right next to me now. It doesn't. It doesn't drive me nuts though. If anything, it's it's somewhat relaxing. <laughs> It is funny how we just as humans react so differently um, to other species versus other humans. I mean, I have, I have, I don't know if you've heard a dog coughing in the background behind me, but I've got a little <laughs> yeah. the same way. He's always, um, he doesn't want to be away from me. He's always with me. And you're right. It would drive me crazy. It's a different need for attention. It's a different need for attention. It's like, yeah, they want the attention, but they also want to give you love in the process. Whereas a lot of times the humans following you everywhere, it's not trying to give you love in the process. They just need attention. Like, please give right, me love, right. give me love, give me love, give me love. <laughs> so. Yeah. They're not following you around for your benefits. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Joe, we, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. It's been it's been really fascinating getting an insider's view on on the whole organization, because, as I said, I've been a fan for a long time and a supporter. Amen. And I'm definitely going to continue to support and hopefully get some new supporters for you guys as well. Yep. Where can people find out more about the organization? Um, Save the is a great um, place to start our website. Um, and also our Facebook page. And then I also want to mention, because I know um, this is targeted a lot towards fitness and activity, we're having um, a Chimpathon, which is a, it's a 10-mile race, March 29th of 2015 next year. So if people Google Chimpathon, hmm. um, that's a great place to see the sanctuary because a mile and a half of the route is actually going to be on the sanctuary grounds. Oh, wow. oh really? So, nice. Yeah, Very I'm cool. training for it. I am not an athlete, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it. This is so, a this is a run or this is going to be a is it's it going to be a, a certified it's a 16k run but people okay. can walk it if they want it's going to be a certified race um, it's the first time it's being held so there'll be opportunities to set world records and um, it's it's going to be pretty exciting I'm really looking forward to it 
You know what? I've never been motivated to do anything like that, but this one intrigues me. I know. You know I'm sitting thinking <laughs> yeah, like, this one intrigues okay, me I, I've for done sure. a couple of races or whatever, but I was like, you know, <laughs> that was mostly for me. But this one, like I said, yeah, it's very intriguing, man. I'm sitting there, my brain's going, I was like, hmm, March. Huh? <laughs> you know, I'm not doing any kettlebell competitions. I'm thinking March might be a good time. The weather's good. Florida feels good it's at that time of year. <laughs> You guys should come on down. No, because that's an experience. Yeah, exactly. That's something where you're not just going for a run down the road. That's an experience (laughs) where you're not going to forget it. So that's definitely something I'm going to consider heavily for sure. All right. Great. Well, we appreciate it, Jen. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye. And again, that's our friend Jennifer Firestein on the show. Love that name, by the way. That's a cool name. And yeah, then you can check out savethechimps.org. Just savethechimps, all one word.org. Type it in Google, it'll pop up. We'll have it in the show notes and so forth. They have a Facebook page. They have some great clips on YouTube that just give you what they're all about. And we're always trying to find organizations that we can back and that we can safely recommend you to back. And what I mean by that is not organizations where whoever runs it is making a million dollar salary or a $500,000 salary where the money is not actually going to the cause in question. Exactly. The money's being all saved up, quote unquote. And, it's, you know, it's in proxy. Proxy for what? Or it's going into a fund, a mutual fund for the organization. Like, excuse me. What? What are you saying? Like, it sounds like a business. It does not sound like a, a nonprofit. If, you know, if you're buying stock, I don't believe that's a nonprofit anymore. Yeah, I remember so, one organization was talking about how, like, oh, we got hit really hard during the crash. I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, why? Why do you have all this money in the stock market? It should be out there in the field actually helping people. Exactly. You know? Come on. So I definitely check them out. And also, remember, we're going to keep bringing these killer episodes to you. Just interesting shows, interesting people. It's not always going to just be fitness people. That's something we're both really interested in. But we have a lot of other interests, and we know you do too. And then there's going to be things where you're like, man, I I never even thought about supporting an organization like that or even looking into it until I heard it on the show. So we want to keep things interesting for us, and then we feel that will keep things interesting for you. Now, one thing you can do to support all of that, to show your interest, is use coupon code LLA. You get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, my t-shirts, videos. You know the deal. Pretty much everything you see on my website. And how about with you, man? Same thing. Go to newwarriortraining.com. Use the same coupon code LLA. 10% off of any of my products over there. The coffee stand, the weight management one-on-one course, the books, the DVDs, all that. So just punch in that coupon code at checkout. Get 10% off. And that's a great way of saying, hey, guys, thank you for bringing such great shows and great guests. I really appreciate it. And another way <laughs> you can do that is also, even if, if you have all of our products right now, you can go and also leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher and share the episode, man. Let the world know about these organizations that are going on and these guests that we bring on the show. Share that with the rest of the world. Don't keep it all to yourself. Don't be stingy. You know, so share the love, man. And uh, we'll really appreciate that as well. And that all contributes and helps the show grow just as much as your financial contribution. So, yeah, man, make it happen. Yeah, and if, if you run a podcast or you interview people, get some of these guests yeah. on as well. You know, get Jennifer on, get Melia Kaplan on, get, get James Pond on. Yeah. yeah, get these people on that we're introducing to you, good people with great causes, <laughs> because not all of us are going to be directly involved with such things because we have other interests, but you can definitely indirectly allocate some time and to helping say, some stuff out. And I'll say this, if you have a podcast – Here's how you can stand out from the rest of these other quote unquote fitness podcasts (laughs) if you're in that space. Because right now, so many podcasts in the same categories are pretty much whoring their guests. And what I mean is they've turned their guests into virtual joints. Everybody's just like puff, puff, pass. And you start hearing the same guest on the last, the same top 20 fitness podcast. So my thing is, this is how you stand out right here. And this is, and don't worry about like, well, I might lose my audience. Actually, you're going to grow your audience by doing this because you're going to become more diversified. There's a way to still have a central theme of your podcast while, while exploring other categories at the same time just like right now we just spoke with jen and when it was all over and done with it still came back to fitness because there's going to be a run in march that they're, <laughs> right. they're, they're doing so look how that worked out okay so it wasn't so far-fetched what we're talking about no. right here and you know and all you body weight training coaches out there always want to talk about let's get primal and train like chimps and gorillas well hey there you go we talked about chimps just now so see it wasn't too far-fetched so yeah, you don't you don't you don't have to you don't have to buy a kettlebell with a chimp face on it oh. right you know you can, you know, <laughs> You can primal. support. You want to you want to show your love for chimps. Just send some money over to 
save I saved the chips. <laughs> I mean, I've been looking for an opportunity to drop that in there for so long. Because people always ask us, hey, sincere, what, what do you think about those 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 gorilla bells? I'm like, hmm, it's a cute paperweight. I mean, you know, my thing is it has a purpose. It's good for squats and whatever. But my thing is, after you stop squatting with it, then what? It's not going to be the best thing for snatching, especially if you're trying to snatch for time because it's going to bang your wrist. So, yeah, there's my thing. But I'm not going to give any plug to that. I'm done with that. No, I mean, and if you're, a, if, you're a fan, if you're a fan of the band Madball, don't look for a Madball-themed kettlebell. <laughs> Buy the album and or go video. to the show. Now if, you can, now, if you can go back and find the toy from the 80s Madballs, then, you know, you might want to keep that because that might be worth a lot of money. <laughs> so that, that's a novelty item right there. So you go find a collector show and go make some money off of that and then support some of the organizations that they support as well. How about that? <laughs> so cool, everybody. You know, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, keep those reviews coming. Keep sharing the show, you know, and keep supporting the show and supporting our sponsors, a.k.a. Mike and myself at our websites. And um, <laughs> we're going to keep bringing you great guests. Got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe, people. So, hey, stay tuned. We'll see you next time. Take, Take care. care. Folks.